Hey church, I want to welcome you to our Easter services. Uh, thank you, Jason Martin, for leading us in worship and just preparing our hearts to open God's word together as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Now, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 this morning, if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible as I open us in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you for the resurrection of your son, Jesus, as he displayed his power over sin and death. And we're so thankful, Father, for what that means for us, God, that by putting our faith and trust in Christ and him alone, that we too will experience a resurrection from the dead. And our hope is not just in this life, but in what is to come. So now, God, as we open the Bible together, would you speak to us? God, each one of us listening right now, God, in our own homes, separated geographically, but united together by your Spirit, would you speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we are going to be in Luke 24, looking at um, Luke's account of the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, But before we even do that, I want to take a minute just to define the word resurrection. So in in a literal sense, the the word means to stand again. So it's the idea that Jesus died and he was buried and that he stood again. So he not only came back to life, but he stood up uh, fully alive. And so we use this word to apply to other things like resurrecting memories or resurrecting buildings. And as we apply it to Jesus and to our own lives, what we literally mean is that we who are in Christ, we will actually stand again physically, not, not just spiritually speaking, but there will be a literal standing again of the people of God. So in Luke chapter 24, we'll begin in verse 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen." Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. So here we have an account of um, these ladies at the tomb coming with the spices that they had prepared. And according to John's gospel, this is Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene here. And so they come to the tomb and they don't find anybody in the tomb. The tomb is empty. And then there's this an appearance of these angelic beings, these men dressed in dazzling apparel who begin this conversation with the ladies asking, why are you here looking for the living from among the dead? Now, what a, what a great question, right? And so the question is not, not necessarily meant to be um, a, a question to be answered by the ladies as much as it is to indicate that the ladies are looking in the wrong place for somebody who is alive. You don't come to a graveyard, to a tomb, to find somebody that you expect to be alive. And so the the problem here in this scene is that obviously these ladies weren't expecting Jesus to be alive. Now the, the conversation continues and the angelic beings, these men... Um, remind the ladies that Jesus himself had predicted what would happen. And they say, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. 
Remember how Jesus told you that? So everything that happened this past Friday was on purpose. Jesus knew it was going to happen. He told you it was going to happen, and it happened the way he told you. But not only that, but that on the third day he would rise. So we go back to some of the earlier conversations that Jesus had with his followers, going all the way back to Luke chapter 9, we find Jesus telling his followers what would happen. In verse 22 of Luke 9, Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now that's pretty plain what Jesus was saying. But what we're going to find is that even though Jesus was speaking plainly to his followers, describing for them what would happen, they still didn't get it. And these two ladies are just an example of those who didn't fully understand what he was saying. And again, in Luke chapter 18, again we read in verse 31 that Jesus was speaking to the twelve. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. So so two things are happening here. Once again, Jesus is explicitly telling his followers what is to happen, that he will be handed over, he will be crucified, but yet he will rise again on the third day. And in this reference, Jesus even even takes it a step further and, and refers to the prophecies of the Old Testament saying that this is not just something new that God came up with, but this has been God's plan all along. But he ends here, by reminding us that even though Jesus was plainly telling them what was going to happen, they didn't understand. They, it was hidden from them. They didn't grasp the fullness of what Jesus was saying. So imagine this, his followers, even though Jesus had laid it out for them, as they walked through the crucifixion scene, and now Jesus is buried, for them this was a catastrophe. Like they had put all their hope in this one man being the Messiah and for them now their Messiah was dead. And so these two ladies who show up at the tomb are just like the rest of the followers. They're showing up to grieve. They're showing up to express uh, their heart's sorrow for the tragedy of the death of their Messiah. But something happened for these ladies as the angels reminded them of what Jesus had said, something awakens in their hearts. And we see in verse 8 of Luke 24, and they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So now... Um, If it were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the tomb initially, they've picked up a few more of the ladies. We have uh, Joanna here as well and some of the others. 
And they're, they're running now to find the, uh, the 11 because remember Judas has, has bailed from the 12 and so it's down to 11. And so they can't wait to tell the 11 what they have found. So something has happened in the hearts of, of these women. Their, their faith is kindled and now they remember what Jesus said and they know, they know that he has risen. But did you notice the response of the disciples? These words seemed like an idle tale and they did not believe them so for many of us we think man if I'd have just been there when all this was happening like my faith would be so much stronger if I could have seen Jesus on the cross with my own eyes if I could have seen the empty tune with my own eyes if I could have been there just to hear the words of Jesus as he as he spoke and as he as he healed and as he preached but everybody we're reading about they were all part of that And so it takes more than just being there. Something has to awaken within you. And for these ladies, it was was the angels reminding them of the words of Jesus. And now Peter himself has gone to the tomb. And he sees the linen cloths that Jesus was previously wrapped in laying there by themselves. And he has not yet seen the risen Christ, but, but something is beginning to stir in him as he goes home marveling at what happened. I want to hone in on something here for these ladies, that at the moment that their souls were awakened to this, this reality, this truth, this glorious reality that, that Jesus has risen from the grave, immediately they become missionaries. Immediately they, 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 they go and tell as they can't wait to share the excitement of what they have found. So from here, what happens in the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus begins to appear to his, to his other followers. We find two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus comes alongside them and begins to speak with them. And, the, and they're, they're sad. Why? Because for them, they're still in the tragedy. For them, they're still living in Friday. And what happened to their Messiah as he was, if he was uh, put on trial and falsely accused and beaten and, and humiliated publicly and then ultimately killed, they're still living in that tragedy even on Easter Sunday. And it's not until Jesus, through the scriptures, reveals himself to them that that same thing happens for them that happened for the women at the tomb. Something awakens in them and they realize that they are standing and walking with the risen Savior. And from here, Jesus then appears to the disciples in the upper room. And we're gonna pick this up now in Luke 24 Verse 44, where Jesus is with his disciples and he's beginning to speak with them and reveal himself to them. Verse 44 says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And so what we see here in this this moment is that Jesus, like the angelic beings with the women at the tomb, he's reminding his disciples of what he said. And it's not just that Jesus predicted what would happen on the cross and in the tomb and with the resurrection. It's that Jesus had told them that all of this would happen because it's part of God's bigger plan. That what would unfold during the Holy Week was, was prophesied, it was predicted, it was planned by God, and it was spoken about in the prophets of the Old Testament. And Jesus here 
walks through the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. These are the major categories that describe the entire Old Testament. So what Jesus did is he, he opened the scriptures for them, the Old Testament, and showed them how everything that had taken place in the last three days was part of God's original plan. And in doing so, did you see what happened here? He opened up their minds. That same thing that happened for these ladies at the tomb, it happened for the 11. They're in the upper room. God opened up their minds to see the truth of the resurrection and to understand the scriptures. What's cool about this is how we began to see that the resurrection of Jesus is not an isolated event, but it's connected to the entire Bible. It's like the, the, the entire Bible hinges on this moment. Nothing that God has said before this moment or that God will say after this moment has, has any power to it if the resurrection doesn't happen because everything in the Old Testament is leaning towards this moment. And so this resurrection moment is, is the exclamation point at the end of the sentence that God has fulfilled all that he, will, that he has prophesied and predicted. But it's also, right, the, the, the foundation for everything else in your New Testament that we get to the end of the New Testament, at the, the, the end of the book of Revelation, we find the climax of the story is what? The resurrection of the dead. When you and I too will resurrect from the grave. And so everything in the Bible is leaning towards this powerful moment. You know, really the Bible is the story not just of how God interacts with people, but it's the story of humanity itself and everything in humanity is leaning into this resurrection. Without a resurrection, we have no hope. It doesn't matter what generation you look to, what culture, people group, language you look to, without a resurrection, we have no hope. And so all of humanity is hanging in the balance to see what happens on Easter morning. Before these disciples, before Jesus awakens them to the reality of his resurrection, they're living in this catastrophe. Now think about it from their perspective. Before the resurrection is revealed to them, everything for them has changed now. Their Messiah has been killed. And, and think about it, these followers, they left their home, their careers, their families. They staked their life and their reputation on this one truth that this man, Jesus, he is the Messiah. And so through the death of Jesus, their reputation is at stake. Their careers, the disciples left, not just their jobs and their careers, but many of them left their families to come follow Jesus. So now what? Right from this point forward, everybody who knows us is going to associate us with this Messiah who has been killed. Our own families, right? They, right? they don't understand why we left home to come follow this one. We can't go back to our families. We can't go back to our jobs. And so they're sitting in this catastrophe waiting for something to happen. Now, Jared Tolkien had a word for um, this idea of a catastrophe that turns into something good. He called it a catastrophe, and he, he essentially kind of came up with that word to describe a good catastrophe. It's the sudden happy turn in the events of a story where something so tragic that seems to be beyond hope just unexpectedly takes this turn 
towards something good. And so you might say the resurrection is this catastrophe. It's, it's this moment in time where everything seems to be lost. And all the hope that had been mustered by the disciples and those who followed Jesus now has turned dark. And at the resurrection, as Jesus reveals himself to his followers and they, they begin to understand the truth of his resurrection, the catastrophe turns into a catastrophe. This beautiful, powerful moment What began as a tragic death and a scattered group of half-hearted followers suddenly takes a turn on Easter morning. The resurrection is, is hope for hope in the midst of life's greatest tragedy. For the believer, for the follower of Jesus, we know that even in death, we will stand again. We will breathe again. We will walk again. We will live again. You know, you see this pattern of death and resurrection all over creation when you stop to look for it and think about it. I mean, just the way that the day and night work together. You know, the saying that says that the darkest hour of night is just before the dawn. And so every 24 hours we go through this cycle where everything kind of seems to go dark and shut down. And, And even our own bodies when we go to sleep seem to imitate this idea of death. Only to what? To awaken again. To stand again. You see the pattern in the seasons. If you think about the fall, when the trees begin to turn brown and lose their leaves and begin to look like they're dying, and then we get into the heart of winter, and, and for the most part, everything looks dead. But, but we've been through enough winters to know that what spring is on the way, that, that the sun will rise on creation and everything will come back to life. You see the pattern of resurrection in the seasons. You see the pattern of resurrection in, in, in any good story, whether it's a movie or a book or just a story somebody is telling, and, and you get to the point where it seems like all hope is lost, and then at just the right moment, the corner is turned and goodness comes. Even catastrophes that happen in our lives, some catastrophes that even cause death, whether that's a natural disaster or maybe even like the coronavirus going on, we have enough human history to know what? that this too shall pass. That even though things look hopeless and dark and we can't imagine how any of this will ever turn out for our good, we know from human history what, just the cycle of the way that that catastrophes happen in human history, that this too will come to an end. And we see these, these patterns of resurrection all over creation and now here in this moment, the actual resurrection has happened. And the catastrophe has turned into something beautiful and good and victorious. So now what I want to do is I want to focus in on the response of uh, the disciples and what Jesus says to them next. Uh, Picking this back up in verse 46. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. 
So what happened initially for the women at the tomb, when their hearts were awakened to the truth of the resurrection, they immediately went to go tell others in their excitement. Now Jesus is commissioning all of his followers to go and to tell, to share the good news of the gospel, not just with your neighbors and with your friends and with, with the inhabitants of Jerusalem, but to take this good news to the nations. See, what's beautiful about the resurrection is it's not just the end of the story. It's not just a a happy ending to the story. It's actually the beginning of something new. A new movement, a new mission, a new purpose, a new trajectory for the people of God. And now Jesus is transferring his mission to to his followers to go to the ends of the earth, empowered by his Holy Spirit, to proclaim this good news that Jesus has died for our sins and resurrected from the grave. He has stood again. This Jesus who was coronated on Palm Sunday as a king for all nations and then tragically killed on Friday by the Jews and the Romans, he has indeed risen from the grave in victory to stand again, to display his power over not just the Romans, not just the Jews, but his power over all of creation, over sin and death. See, Easter is not just the happy ending, it's the happy beginning. It's the beginning of something new. And Christ has commissioned us to this same task, to take the good news of the resurrection forward, to take it not just to our family members, not just to our neighbors, but to take it to the nations. That Jesus has indeed risen again.